In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'd like to begin with just a little bit of an introduction. There are so many new faces here at Holy Trinity, and it pleases me greatly to see that. At the same time, I think some of you may wonder, who the heck am I up here preaching? And I thought, just a brief explanation of who I am and what I'm up to these days. I'm Paul Thilo, and my dear wife Pam is here in the congregation. And uh, the two of us live in two locations. That's the latest thing in our lives. We live in the house we've been living in for some time, a beautiful house in the Akron area, near, well, the park. What park? Yes, San Ron Park, which is a very nice location to have. Well, the needs I have for physical therapy of that suggested that I might get near a pool where every morning, would you believe, at 6.15 we're up and by the pool. Pam's working out and I'm in the pool working out, trying to limber up this body which has undergone so many surgeries. It's working fairly well, although that 6.15 in the morning is a tough, tough thing to do. So we share the week, part of it at our home and part of it there at Concordia, well, kind of retirement village. We have an apartment there which we fixed up. It's quite lovely and we're enjoying it immensely. If you don't know where that is, Concordia, it's just across from Copley High School. Anybody know where Copley High School is? Oh, good. But anyway, it's right in that vicinity and it's a beautiful beautiful facilities that the Lutheran Church has just bought and Lutherans name everything Concordia and that goes back to when I went to the seminary, I went to Concordia Seminary and Concordia Junior College but I left them in the dust and became a part of the Episcopal Church some time back and was serving the small church in Wadsworth and from there I moved over into this particular church, and now I'm a part of the Anglican communion, at least somewhat. We'll see. But it's a wonderful experience being in your midst and being able to share the gospel with you, as I will attempt to do this morning. This is a wonderful text, this morning's text. I love the Old Testament and the writings of St. Paul, but frankly, I have to always come back to the simple gospel because it speaks to my heart and speaks it simply, and I feel as though when I speak to the congregation, they too will relate to it more completely. So that's what I'll do. This gospel text of ours, Lord, do you not care? My sister has left me to do all the work by myself. Tell her then to help me. And then the answer of the Lord is where I want to dwell on this. What does he say? He answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. And then the line, there is need of only one thing. There is need of one thing. And then he adds, and Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Beautifully and simply laid out. 
It's a temptation to be bothered with a lot of other things. But what you've got to do as a follower of Christ is to come back to the simple one thing and concentrate on that. And that's the responsibility of the church, of this church, to come back to what is essential and most important. Jesus makes it simple. Don't be distracted by many things. There is really only one thing, and Mary has chosen the better part. The question that comes to mind is, what is this thing? What is this one thing that Jesus is talking about? And of course, you've got to have in the back of your mind, am I focusing on that one thing? What is that one thing that they're talking about there at Martha and Mary's home? You can imagine them gathering somewhere in this simple house, and talking with the disciples and Jesus right there talking with them. And only later on, Martha, who had invited them all over to the house and then found herself so busy she couldn't get in on the discussions, somehow or other, the essential things got away from her. But her sister Mary concentrated on that which was important. And what was it? What were they talking about? You have to go into the scriptures, into the other lessons around this lesson to discover what that is. If I were to ask you this morning, what is the most important thing? I wish I could get down into the aisle here. I'd walk down and I'd point at someone and say, tell me, what is that most important thing? What is the essential thing that Jesus is talking about? What was it they were gathered to do? Why did Mary love it to be in and amongst those men, those disciples, hearing what Jesus had to say, and what was he talking about? Have you figured it out? It shouldn't be a mystery to you as one of the followers of Christ. He's talking about the kingdom of God. Before the resurrection and before the crucifixion, there's where the focus was on the kingdom of God. The necessity for it. To know what the world was all about. What God had intended for people. What was the calling of everyone. That's what was being talked about here. How did you cope with death? With life? With the contingencies of the experience of one in life? How did you do that? You had to rely on the message of God, the message of the kingdom of God. Only later is it translated and made clear as to what that essential part of the kingdom of God is. Namely, that Jesus died on the cross. Put all sins to rest there and to death there. And then remarkably rose from the dead three days later, essentially saying... What I've been saying is true. The kingdom of God is in your midst. And all the promises that the kingdom of God offers are yours now. That's what was going on here. And Mary was focusing on this matter of the kingdom of God. And they tried to get Martha involved in this as well. And we hope the disciples are listening carefully. 
And that's what's going on here in this little story. I want to bring it up to date. There's so much I can say here. When I prepare for these sermons, I sometimes just sit and meditate or lie down and think about it. And so many thoughts come to mind. And because Pam and I have been listening to a DVD or tape of the book Bonhoeffer, it's a huge volume. It's about a guy from Germany. Not everybody knows about him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You have a reminder of him in this church. The reminder is little Dietrich, son of your pastor, your priest. Job chose that name because he knew of the teachings and the mighty words of Bonhoeffer, this German theologian. Let me tell you a little bit about him and how it relates to this text. Dietrich Bonhoeffer went to, well, he came out of a very well-to-do family, a family of great intellect, father, doctor, his mother, practicing physician, I believe, and all the other relatives are all people of prominence. And he chooses, of all things, to his father's shock and dismay, he's going to study theology. What? Theology, your brain, your gifts, and you're going to, quote, waste them on theology? Talking about God? But that's what he was determined to do and did. He went to the finest theological schools in Germany. Tübingen, Berlin, and took courses after courses and stood with the professors. They recognized the talent that this young man had. He was in his 30s and he was already a theologian of great, great aplomb. So from there he chooses to come to the United States and study at a seminary that I had some acquaintance with and where I studied. I can't say that I did it the way Dietrich did it, but he came to that seminary and he too stood outside and was listening to these theologians talking about God and about all the possibilities and the absent God and the present God and the God of Eminence and might, the God of power and strength, but somehow or other, as he listened, something was mis- missing. He kept wondering what that was. He kept finding it in returning to Jesus Christ Himself and what He did on Calvary's cross and about the resurrection story. And He challenged those professors at the seminary as well of all things. And having gone to that seminary, I can understand why he would do that. Sometime or other, all the courses you go to and all the things you learn, you're listening for a word about Jesus and about his promises and about the resurrection in particular. And so he listened for that and he was critical of what they taught there and what they had to say. He was frustrated by that. He had come to know that, the very thing that Mary did. There's only one thing, and she has chosen that very part. Amongst all the other things, he was not distracted, but focused on the gospel, the kingdom of God, 
the matter of Christ dying on the cross, the whole truth of Jesus rising on the third day, he focused on that. And he was frustrated, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, this little young theologian from Germany, studying at the seminary and not finding anything there. He wandered from the seminary just a couple of streets down. I'm very familiar with it. A couple of streets over was the beginning of the black community. And one of the largest church, the Abyssinian Baptist Church, where Adam Clayton Powell was the pastor. It was a church of thousands of people. And here Dietrich Bonhoeffer, this German-speaking guy, makes his way into the church, sits down in a pew just like any one of you, and he begins to listen to the preacher and begins to marvel at what they're doing there as a church and becomes a Sunday school teacher of all things there at the church. And what happened was he found the very thing that Mary did, that one thing that's necessary, the hearing of the beautiful words of the gospel. Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. There is the crucified one who dies for our sins and rises again. He listened to that, heard that message in the black community. When he went back to Germany, he had the opportunity to teach once again. Began a Sunday school, gathered around him other theological students, got his degree, his doctoral degree there. But in the meantime, or while he was doing that, he was consistently talking about what he had witnessed in this marvelous church in Harlem, New York. The gospel, he said. I hadn't heard it through all the education I had before this, but I heard it there. Let us share it amongst each other. And he had some recordings of some of the hymnody and things that they sang at the church and brought those into the meetings. Only with German pastors, mind you, guys aspiring to be pastors, and played them and said, listen to the content of this. Look how they are focused on Jesus as their Savior, as their Lord, as their risen one. And listen to those things. He created some stir in and amongst the churches and amongst the seminaries in Germany. All of this he was doing as Hitler was rising to power. It was right at that time in the late 20s, early 30s. And the allegiance of Hitler was not to God, although he used such terminology, it was to the Reich and to Hitler, Heil Hitler, and all the Jungen, the youth, and the grown-ups as well followed the voice of Hitler. Not all, but so many of them did. And one voice that did not listen was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He got up in pulpits and preached about Jesus and said, there is only one ruler, there is only one Lord, and it is not proclaimed by the Nazis. You have an allegiance to Jesus Christ, all of you. He preached these things. And in the audience would be some of the Nazis, and they would hear what he had to say, record it, and then take it to the authorities. He was under a threat constantly, but he never backed off. He spoke powerfully. This was the calling he had. He had that one thing needful, chose the better part, as did Mary. He chose that, 
and it would be his undoing. He would be taken captive. You probably all know this story, but it is dramatic. He would be taken off and placed in a concentration camp. And just days before the end of the war, he would be killed. But in the prison, he would preach the gospel. He would treat the, the soldiers who were keeping him incarcerated with love and affection and forgiveness and talk to them about Jesus. Unbelievable commitment on the part of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. That should motivate us as well in our choices and the things we do. I want to make this very personal and to say that one of the reasons why I'm here in this church is because in this church is to be found the risen Christ and the message that Bonhoeffer found as well. The most important thing in this church is Jesus and him crucified and risen. And I say that because this church has chosen to have the Eucharist every Sunday. Pam and I, when we began our pilgrimage as a husband and wife, after I retired from the ministry, the full-time ministry, we looked for a church where the Eucharist would be celebrated regularly. Because in the Eucharist, who do you have but the risen Christ, the crucified one? And so we came here and we rejoiced that every Sunday, it wasn't the sermons, it wasn't this facility, it was the fact that at the altar was proclaimed the risen Christ, the crucified Christ, the risen Christ. And we received the sacrament regularly. We check with other churches occasionally. When we're not here on a Sunday morning, we'll call up and say, have you got the Eucharist? Yes, we have it every Sunday, but not on the fifth Sunday. And of course, we're calling on the fifth Sunday, and we're going to miss out on that. Or, yes, we have it every other Sunday. Or we have it once a month. I'm happy to say that here, we find that which was missing in other places. And that's what Mary found. She has chosen the better part, the better way to go. And I think that's what's on our hearts as well. We must, by faith, choose the better way. What church talks about Jesus as risen and as mighty Lord? What church puts aside all other things but is sure that that message is proclaimed and shared? That's what it's all about. And that's what we should be about. This lesson for today is a very helpful one. Thank you, Mary. You chose the better part. Your example is one that I want to follow. I pray that it's one you want to follow as well. Let's close with a prayer. Heavenly Father, may these words today be not just words, but rather our decision to make the most in the most important thing, to use our whole lives and beings for the better part, namely the better part of serving Jesus, praising Him, and following Him. We pray that we might do that in the strength of the Holy Spirit. Amen and Amen. Amen.